Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. to study this one word by looking at how the psalmist David approached this idea of knowing God. Let me read to you the beginning of Psalm 139, and this is going to be the place in which we really sit in this psalm today. Oh Lord, you've examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too great. For me to understand. How many times have you read that psalm? How many times have you heard that psalm preached? And when you look at this psalm and you take the whole psalm, there's one word that David uses seven times. Seven times. And in the first six verses, you heard me repeat it at least three times. The word is to know. And yes, I'm going to make you repeat. Can everybody say yada? yada. Say yada. yada. The word yada is a word that is used seven times in this one psalm. And the word yada means to know. Now, when we think about the word know, knowledge, this is what we think about in our modernity, in our enlightenment stage. This whole idea of having facts information, to be familiar with or about something or someone. But the word for to know, yada, everybody say it again, yada, at the end you're going to be like, I'm getting sick of this word. This word yada is more than about knowledge, being familiar with. And if we're really honest with ourselves, the majority of the people in the world would say, yeah, I, I have knowledge of God. There, there's a knowledge of knowing about or familiar with or, or a little bit of information about. But, but the word that is used all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, and I love what my mentor said, the, the First Testament and the Second Testament, because there's not an old or a new, there's a one and a two, that the word yada is deeper than just this whole idea of having knowledge about. It's to know of. It's to be known by. It's a word that actually has a, has a sense of romanticism to it. It's not a cognition word. It's a relational word. I mean, I mean think about what the psalmist says. He says, you know, you yada, 
when I sit down or stand up. You yada, you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. And look what the psalmist writes. He says, you know everything I do. This is a relational word. It's like a parent knowing a child. How many parents in here? Don't you love it when your kids go, you don't know me at all. Seriously? Seriously. And that's like, I remember being a teenager saying that to my parent, and I was completely wrong. It's like a, a spouse knowing the spouse, a lover knowing they're loved. It's like a, it's like a bestie. It's like a, a no, remember when you like said the same thing because you were thinking the same thing at the same time? You, you said the same thing and you said, Jinx, you owe me a soda. Because you know each other so much that there's this knowledge that you're, that you're literally in wave with one another. And the psalmist is saying, you know everything about me. You know what, I, what I'm about to say even before I say it. It's a knowing of. Yes, God knows everything. But what God really knows is who we are. He says, you know what I'm going to say even before I say it. Jinx, you owe, you owe me an offering. That's what God says. I know what you're going to say even before you say it. And you say it to the He goes, Jinx, you owe me an offering. That was a good one, wasn't that? You go before me and you follow me. You go before me and you follow me. And there's this, like this mystery that God's ahead of me, yet he's behind me. He's pulling me forward and he's pushing me forward. And there's this mystery about this knowing of in a relationship like a, like a parent and a child. Like a lover to their love. Like a bestie. It, it actually like makes me start to cry. Knowing like that the God of the universe even knows me better than Sue knows me. Better than my parents know me. Better than my children know me. Better than my friends know me. The psalmist knows that he's known by God. To yada God means that you're in a relationship with God. That you know that you know that he knows you. It's pretty deep, isn't it? It's like, wow, this is way too deep for a Sunday morning 1030. Well, let's continue. Verse 13 through 18. Look what the psalmist says. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. And you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me. God's thoughts about you are precious. 
no matter the environment that you grew up, no matter how you were nurtured, God's thoughts about you are precious. Can you declare that? My, who I am is precious to God. Oh God, they cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Think about how the, the author wrote of the, the indepthness of, of things that he could never, ever comprehend. Yada. To know. But the opposite of yada is nada. <laughs> Knowing nothing. And literally, I probably know 10 Spanish words. Seriously. But the opposite, and trust me, I'm going somewhere, the opposite of yada is nothing. It's understanding that as much as I think I know, I know nada. So say with me, nada. Some of you guys are looking at me like, man, this dude is off his rocker. But, but it's true. This is what my mentor had, had said. This is what he had said. And I really want to, I want to just give him credit for this. He says this, the ultimate in knowledge is to acknowledge how much we don't know. The more I know, the more I know nothing compared to what there is to know. Leaving us in a place of humility or feeling intimidated. And what King David who had ruled the kingdom. Now let me ask you, how many of you ever ruled the kingdom? Anyone? How many of you own a business? Okay. Now owning a business and ruling a kingdom are two different things. I'm sorry. But in this, King David, who was ruling a nation, the greatest nation ever, he's saying how much he cannot comprehend. It's like this. Two, two little illustrations. You get your computer, or you get your first iPhone, and you start learning Microsoft Word, PowerPoint, Excel. You start fiddling around on the internet. You're like, I know everything. And then all of a sudden you realize how much bigger this, this metaverse, this internet is. And you're like, wow, I know nothing. And the only little bit I know is about this much compared to how much is really out there. Or think about when you go to the beach. And you walk out to the, to the ocean, you see this massive beach, and the ocean kind of starts like getting to an end of a point. Like you can see the end of the ocean, right? Right somewhere out there, it stops. And then all of a sudden, you, you walk out to the beach, and the beach gets smaller, and the ocean gets what? Bigger. And you're like, it's endless. What I thought I knew wasn't even a comparison of what is. And David, as he's writing this psalm, he's realizing the more he knows God, and the more he understands how God knows him, there is no healthy comparison. God knows me so much more. He knew me in my mother's womb. Where can I go from your spirit? If I go to the heights, you are there. If I go to the depths of, of the caves, you are there. 
You search me behind and before. You go before me. You know every thought even before I say it. He even proclaims, I mean, talk about nada. He says, every day is written in your book. You know, we come to Jesus and we're like, wow, I know everything about Jesus. He died on the cross. That's stage one. Wow, and then all of a sudden, like, there's this Holy Spirit thing. You guys talk a little bit too much here at the plant about that guy. But it's like, there's so much more. And the deeper you go and the more knowledge you get and the more intimacy you have in prayer, all of a sudden you're like, wow, he knows me better than I know myself. You see, yada and nada, they go together. The beauty is the more you think you know, the more you actually know you do not know. And it's in those deep places where you actually realize how big and how vast is God's love for me. One of the most powerful realizations as a follower of Jesus is when you can say how vast God is in comparison, which leads you to a complete place of dependency on God. The moment you can say, I know nada, is probably one of the most profound, humbling moments in your relationship with him. Let me give you an example. Jesus, yada, Nathaniel. You see, when you look at the Hebrew word and the Greek word for to know, they're the same. But then they start translating it hundreds and hundreds of times, and it changes over time. But, but when you look at the Greek word for yada, it is the very same word as in Hebrew, yada, to know. Look at this little episode when Nathaniel asks, How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. And Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God the king of Israel. You see, a day before, a day before, Philip went up to Nathanael and said, hey, Nathanael, Nate, we found him, the son of God, the king of Israel, the lamb of God who takes away the, the sins of the world. Really, where is he from? Nazareth. Oh, dude, Nazareth, there's nothing good that comes from Nazareth. There's nothing good that comes from Ramsey. There's nothing good that comes from Waldorf. There's nothing good, like fill in your town, whatever it is, right? Does God really bring superstars out of these communities? Yes! And he says, nothing good comes from Nazareth, small little village. And all of a sudden, this is what Jesus says. Hey, Nate, I saw you. I saw you under the fig tree. Saying, what? No one was there. I was all by myself. I purposely went by myself to, to study the Torah. I purposely went by myself to take a deep breath. I went to grab lunch by myself because all my coworkers were annoying me. And yet you saw me? Yeah, I saw you. And Nate goes, how do you know? How do you yada know? It's that secret and the mystery of the, of the divine, fully God, fully man. There's a mystery going on that we can't even fully understand. That, that Jesus, there was moments when Jesus showed his divinity and said, I know you. 
Now think about knowledge. Think about when you know someone or you know about something. Do you know what knowledge does? It brings about conception. Something is birthed. Whenever something comes alive to you because you have knowledge about something or you know something, that something comes to life. Well, what do you mean about that, Rob? God birthed creation through his knowledge. And he created the universe. And he created the world. And in seven days, whether you call them figuratively, figurative or literal, whatever you want to say, in some way, God, in his vast knowledge, created the universe with its planets. And he created humanity. And then all of a sudden, the knowledge that God had birthed creation of us. Look what it says. He says, let us make man in our image. Hey, Trinity, let's make humanity in our image. Even though there are a lot of people who are spiritually dead, we are all created in the image of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are created in the image of God. Turn to your neighbor. Tell him. Don't let anyone go. Sue, you're created in the image of God. He did an awesome job with you. Right? Right? It birthed humanity. And all throughout, all throughout Scripture, you see how the knowing of, the relationship with, this deep understanding brought about new life. Adam and Eve. They knew each other, and Cain and Abel were conceived. You think about Abraham, God knew Abraham, and through Abraham knowing God, a nation was born. You think about David, how David, David, after he had this encounter with the living God, knowing that he was known, invited to do what he was invited to do, a holy nation was established. The greatest nation the world will ever see. How about this United States? It's not what scripture says. What about Deborah? Deborah, as she knew God, she was given the wisdom to birth wisdom into the people of God. So at that moment, that particular time, the people could be led into the right direction. When Isaiah came to his senses and he knew that he was known by God, the prophecies of Christ were birthed. I mean, think about that invention. Think about that idea. There's a man in this room, an older man, that I, that I love to, to, to meet with. And he's older but he's so much wiser. If I told you some of the stories of how God used him historically around the world, it would blow your mind. Little inventions that God would put into his heart and his mind that allowed nations. No, no, no. You mean like, you just mean like a business. No, I'm talking about nations. God gave him wisdom to speak to nations around the world. That changed the course of history for them. See, when you know that you know, 
something that's always consuming. You see, that's why as Christians, we can't run away from the born-again metaphor. We cannot run away from the born-again metaphor. Because when we know that we are known by God, and that we know that God sent the Son, that we can have everlasting life, spiritual life is born into us through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's why we say that we're born again, because when we know that we're known, when we know that we're known, spiritual life is conceived. And I want to even take it a little bit deeper. Because what we have done is we've, we've made something called Christi Christianity light. Jim Danaher is the one who invented that phrase. Christianity light. It's our, it's our ticket into heaven. It's our ticket into paradise. No. Yes, we have eternity at the end of this life, but it doesn't stop here. The moment we say yes to Jesus, we are made spiritually alive. And then as we walk through life, as we deal with our past, as we deal with the present, as God through his Holy Spirit begins to awaken us in different areas of our soul and our heart and our mind, different areas come to life. That's why the addict doesn't need to call himself an addict anymore. Because they've been set free in their identity of who they are as sons and daughters of God. And it's a journey. It's called sanctification. The more we know and the more we know that we are known, the more that God brings things to life. And so knowing that you're known brings spiritual life to you. Okay, okay, okay. There's a slogan for that, yada, 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 right? Yada, 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 right? Isn't it great? I get you really deep and everyone gets quiet and then I say something dumb and you all start laughing, right? Yada, yada, yada. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. I get it. Right? Remember the peanuts for our generation? The teacher, why is the way they go? Because they didn't want to hear what the teacher was saying. And how many of you are sitting here right now? Okay, okay, Rob, I get it. He knows me. No, no, do you know that you're known? Like seriously, do you know that you're known? Because if you're saying, okay, 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 I get it, then what you're saying is, is that you have an attitude of pride that keeps the Holy Spirit from doing his deeper work in your life. And so I want to ask you two questions. I want to ask you two questions, and then we're going to go into worship, because I want you to know. I want you to know. I want you to know so bad that, that there's an overwhelming, overcoming presence of the love of God that shakes you to your core. Let me tell a cool story that happened uh, about a month ago. I was speaking at a Christian school. And they have me come in pretty regularly. And I was doing a two-week series there. And it was one of those weeks when I, when I was up front, one of the students had saw me, a, a young junior, she, it, was, it was a girl, and she saw me and she goes, oh, here we go, not this guy again. He's going to probably do an altar call. And as I began talking about the love of the Father, she started manifesting. 
Now, if you need to talk about manifestation, we can talk about that afterwards. But she was so overwhelmed by the presence of God, knowing for the first time that she was willing to receive, that she was known by God, that she started shaking violently. And at the end of the service, this was a girl who did not like me prior to this. And I'm not going to say the word fully, but there is a word she kept repeating, and I'll use the first letter. She kept saying, I don't know what the F is going on. And all the teachers were like, what's happening in here? What's happening over there? But she was so overwhelmed. I don't know what the F is going on. I don't know what the F is happening to me. I'm like, let it out. Come on, let it out louder, louder, louder. Come on, let it out. Come on out. And it was one of those things like she was so, she was adopted. And her guardians, she came from a very abusive family, and her guardians were living a very strict life that gave her no space. She said, I'm an atheist. I've never even had an inclination that God is real. And today, he at least knows me. Whether I know him or not, he knows me. And she was shaking violently. And I just let it out. He knows you. He knows he yaddes you. He knows you. Two weeks ago, she became a follower of Jesus. Yes! It's not, a, it's not a church clap. It's a yes! Yes! And the gates of hell will not prevail because the gates of hell do, do not want us to know that we're yachted by God. The gates of hell want us to have information about God. To be able to flirt with the living God. I mean... Two weeks ago, I'm just going to call it out. Arthur had a full-on healing, a full-on healing at the doctor's office. Amen? He went to go get a stint in his, in his heart. And the photographs beforehand showed that he needed it. And he went in for surgery, and they never performed the procedure. And you know what Arthur said? God's got a plan. Because he, he yada that God yada him. Come on. Arthur, say yada. Loud. Okay, cool. But it's true. It's true. Like the living God knows us. He yadas us. Can I tell you another cool story? We're just going to, we might just be here all day. And if you don't sit close, I'm coming to you. But I'll be in a spit take. We had a, we had a younger, we had a student in this church whose teacher has been wearing hearing aids the majority of her adult life. And one of our students walked in to their chapel, and God said, Someone's gonna be here in a second. He's like, okay. And as he sat down, he said, This is so exciting. And that student went over and put his hands, when he asked for permission, he put his hands on the teacher's ears. And the teacher went like this, put him in his heart. This woman's been praying for healing here for the whole adult life of her. And she, she believed that God knew every area about her except for this. How much do you think she knew that she was known by God? You have two different examples of healing. 
You have just a group of people just praying for Arthur, praying for Arthur, and then you have someone walking up. Can I touch you? And the hands of God is laid on your head. Thank you. That's how bad God wants to God of us. And we, in our westernized Christianity, we have made the things of God so shallow. So let me ask you, do you know? Then he asked them, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Everyone else, he's a prophet, he's a miracle worker. I think he might be like Elijah in some kind of capacity. I think he might be like John the Baptist. And Peter says, no, you, you're the one. I know you. Even in my stupidity, even in my sin, even in my ADD, because Peter had ADD. In all of his weaknesses, in all of his shortcomings, in all of his disabilities, in all of his limitations. He says, I know you. You are the one. Do you know? Do you know? Can you lean and say, I yada God. Because I yada Jesus. This is a very pastoral message. It's very much a salvation message. Like plant family, where are you? Where are you with the son of God? Where are you with the king of kings? Where are you with the Lord of lords? Where are you with the king of Israel? Where are you with the prince of peace? I love what Paul says. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And look at how much he wants to know him. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Whoa, I don't want to know that. That crucifixion thing, uh-uh. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfect for which, perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Here's a really weird question. Do you want Jesus to possess you? Exactly. Do you want to be possessed by the power of God? Do you want to be filled with the Spirit? That's the nice lofty way to say it. Do you want the Holy Spirit to fill your life from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, to the depths of your soul, to the extension of your arms? Do you want to know all of Jesus for all of you so all the world will know? So let me ask you the second question, the harder question. Do you want to be known? Do you really want to be known by God? Are you really willing to say, my heart, Christ's home? The kitchen of my heart, the living room of, the, of my heart, the TV room of, the, of my heart, the basement of my heart, the bedroom of my heart, the closets of my heart. Do you really want to be known? 
Look at what the king David said. The dude ruled a kingdom. He says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. David had anxiety? Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. I think the bigger question is not only do I want to know Christ, but do I want to be known by Christ? Do you want to say, every part of me for all of you? Every part of me for all of you. Everything. Everything. Because every time we give more to God, he brings more life to us. Do you think anything will surprise God? Do you think anything surprises him? He already knew. He already knows. He sees you when you're hiding behind the tree. He sees you when you've been when doing things what you shouldn't be doing. He sees everything. And yet, in the midst, he says, I love you. Open the door so you can be known. I have declared that I am not an addict anymore because I let him into the soul of my addictions. And I am a child of God. I am not addicted to anything except for the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. I am not a sinner who sins. I'm a saint who will sometimes sin. I am not a sinner anymore. I'm a saint who will be pulled into wanting to sin. And at times will make stupid decisions. But my sin no longer defines me. Because I am defined as a child of God. I am defined as a son of God. I am defined as a prince of God. I am defined as his and his alone. Do you want to be known? And the knowing comes by saying, search me, O God, know my heart. The first two weeks of January, I took two days and I locked myself in my basement. And I said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me, O God. Because there's some stuff that is bubbling up that you need to deal with. And for two days, I went in the basement. I went in the basement. And I would go down there for, for during my work day. And I, and I had certain breaks because of how my mind works. And I just said, search me. Lead me. Put me on the path. Teach me how to motivate your people to know you. I'm telling you, I came out alive. Because I said, open every, every closet, every cabinet. Say, Jesus, I want to know you, and just as important, I want to be known by you. Look at, look at how scary this, the words of Jesus, the, the words of Jesus is. The danger of not knowing. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons. We did really cool things. We performed many miracles. Remember that time I, I did this? But I reply, I never knew you. I never nodded you. I never yodded you. I never yodded you. Get away from me. You who break God's law. Because God's law is simply this. 
to be known by him. If you take all the laws of God, it's summed up in this, to be known by him. That's it. God, I know you and you know me. That's the law of God. That's it. That's it. The laws were all summed up in Jesus. Just because you think you know does not mean you know. Yada, yada, yada. Pull on one of his rhymes there. But if you know, but if you know, but if you know, you don't even have to ask the question. Because even in your greatest moment of stupidity, my pastoral question. And I'd like the band to come forward. And I want us to have a real posture right now. Again, every week is unique. Every week is, every week is unique. There's some weeks that it's more apostolic. Let's just go take, take the mountain. There's some weeks that's prophetic. We got to deal with some deep stuff. Today's a very shepherding moment. I want you to begin this this February, saying, God, I want to know you. Let your spirit overwhelm me. Let your presence overtake my heart. And so what we're going to do is we're going to sing right now. We're going to go into worship. And I want this to be a moment for you. And I'm going to shepherd you through this, these songs. Just worship Lean in, and let's walk away together saying, I know that I know that I'm known. If you need to stand up and raise your hands, if you need to kneel down, if you need to come to the altar, if you need to just do whatever you need to do, it's COVID. Get away with anything. Whatever you need to do to lean into the things of Jesus, lay it My prayer is that you would yada, God. That you would yada, that God yadas you. Let's just worship. If you want to stand, if you want to put your hands out, if you need to kneel, let's just lean into this. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.